You're listening to The Cynic Weekly. If you enjoy our weekly podcast, you might be interested in finding out how to access even more Cynic content. By signing up for a full Cynic subscription at thecynic.co, you'll have access to Celtic-related podcasts throughout the week. For a monthly fee, you get access to a range of podcasts covering your favourite football club. We cover a range of topics from news and current events to the history of the club, analysis of games, player profiles, coverage of the women's team, quizzes and much more. We have our own app or you can download your private RSS link to podcast players. You can also access content via our website so you can listen in the way that works for you. To find out more, visit thecynic.co or email info at thecynic.co. We pride ourselves in being an independent platform. You won't be bothered by any outside advertising or folk trying to sell you stuff and you can cancel your subscription at any time. Thank you so much for listening to and supporting The Cynic. Hello and welcome to The Cynic Weekly on Thursday the 26th of January 2023. I'm your host Chris Gallagher and I'm joined as always by Christopher Samani. Hello Christopher, how are you? Evening Christopher, yeah, looking forward to this. Great stuff every time. Do you want to do another sort of intro? No. Okay. Uh, Alan Edgar's also here. Alan, how are you? I'm good mate, thanks for having me, looking forward to it. Yeah, you got over your little snidey agenda. Um, That'll mean absolutely nothing to the people that are listening to this probably, so... Uh, we do a podcast on a Monday, uh, thecynic.co, uh, and uh, every Monday uh, it's called The Agenda, and Alan was just really just a bit arsy with me. You, you can you can apologise now if you like. No, I apologise at the time, and I think I'll stand by it. <laughs> a, a double apology would be would be too much. It didn't merit a double apology. Do you know what? It probably didn't. But uh, no, it's a pleasure to have you both here. Um, as I say, we do podcasts on a daily basis, thecynic.co, check it out if you want to get constant Celtic content in your ears. Uh, it's... Uh, Fantastic. Um, we've got an opening question. In fact, before we get to the opening question, how's things? How are you, Chris? Aye, all right, aye. aye. <laughs> <laughs> we said we were going to have a competition tonight to see how quickly we could get out of here. So, <laughs> so quickly ask me in the next question. How I'm on the job. Yeah, I'm good, mate. All good. Ah, that's so, so condescending. Good, mate. Aye, good, mate. No, uh, Chris, how are you? How's things? Aye, aye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm all right. Aye. <laughs> I'm no, I'm not here to, uh, I'm not here to go into detail. It'd be great if he get questioned by the police, wouldn't it? It'd be brilliant. <laughs> he would, you know, he wouldn't give up anything. How, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Uh, oh, stock answer. Oh. What? Stock answer. Stock answer. Um, I I went to see the Delgados on on Wednesday, which was a very good game. Oh, it's a concert. Yes, yeah, oh, lots of lots of people who listen to Cynic were there, so it was good to uh, to meet a couple. Uh, but yeah, uh, Delgados. Other than that, nothing much. Alan, any big fun things happened to you this week? <laughs> not really, no. <laughs> Jesus, this hey, is no, no. Oh, all good, a bad mate. start, man. I see, you. we've got nothing to talk about when uh, when Celtic don't play midweek, and obviously, I don't go to pop concerts, so. Um, <laughs> Pop concerts. <laughs> so, so I've got nothing to report now. That's all right. Um, also, when Celtic are really good and on form, it's, it's it's great because all the stress is taken away, so you feel just a little bit more at ease. Um, we got a couple of questions. Uh, we got a fun question. Uh, we'll open up a fun question from Danny. Um, I'm going to read out the full thing. Um, 
Given the rumours on Kieran Tierney's future, would you take him back at Celtic if it means Greg Taylor was sold? The obvious answer is yes. However, whilst a better traditional fullback than Taylor, Tierney would not be as effective in the inverted role for his own system, and Tierney's injury record is a risk for a guy who would be very well paid. Very aware he's highly unlikely to come back to Celtic. It's just a bit of fun. Just a bit of fun from Danny. Um, some money. Mm-hmm. Kieran Tierney's obviously an, an outrageously good player still. Um, I think a lot of people have written him off, which is, you know, he's, Zinchenko's in fantastic form for, for Arsenal um, and he's keeping him at the team. But, you know, he's still a fantastic player. What's your thoughts on it? Um, it's a fun question, remember? Oh, just about fun, mate. Just about fun. <laughs> Buzzing. Um, Kieran Tierney's a better footballer than Greg Taylor. Kieran Tierney's injury problems is obviously a concern. Um, so the caveat was saying that if you brought him back that Greg Taylor would be sold so he's a bit cheeky uh, if the question was would you bring Kieran Tierney back I, w- I would in a heartbeat um, I still think he's you know he's an excellent footballer um, but yeah hypothetical questions like that you know fun I don't know if it's fun <laughs> it's not for you is it so I, I'm going to I'm not a fun guy Um <laughs> Look, I'd love Kieran Tierney to come back to the club. I think he's an excellent footballer. Don't think it's going to happen, obviously. Um, I mean, his wages alone would be... I mean, the drop in wages for him becoming Celtic. Yeah. I I'd, I mean, it's, no. I'm, I'm sorry, Danny. This question is not fun. You've it's un- not yeah, fun. Yeah, it's not, you know, not... You, I, I like fun, you know? <laughs> I like fun as much as the next guy, but... Uh, yeah, I'd like him to come back, but um, his injury record would be an issue, so therefore I would See, have okay. to keep Keir, uh, Greg Taylor at the club as well. St- stripped, <laughs> obviously. But clearly the fun was watching some Annie Squam, so it is a fun question. Yeah, a really good question. Uh, Alan, what's your take? I, to be honest, I agree wholeheartedly with, with some Annie. Um, <laughs> it's a complete hypothetical. People keep focusing on wages, but Arsenal have got a player that they spent £25 million on, what, two and a half years ago? Uh, so they're not going to just say yeah just go back to your club mate and enjoy it imagine if they did that'd be class yeah I mean and he has a he has a better fullback than Greg Taylor Um, so yeah you would you would take him of course you would but it's you'd be as well discussing you know any number of other players that will not be joining Celtic because I don't think Kieran Tierney will be at the end of this year just a bit of fun yeah, no, you really get some money, but that's fine. As long as I followed him, I was fine. <laughs> um, I think it's see to say that uh, he would not be as effective in the inverted role. I mean, I, I think he probably would. Whether he'd be as effective, I don't know. But like, Kieran Tierney plays as a left-sided centre back for Scotland, and he's usually always Scotland's best player. I think he's very adaptable. Um, I don't. I, I think there's an idea that maybe he's like that sort of old-fashioned. Uh, swashbuckling fullback when in reality I think he's technically a lot mm-hmm. better and more intelligent than that so mm. um, I, I, I think he's a great player I, I like him a lot and I do hope that he gets game time whether that, that, whether that is at Arsenal or whether he moves on but um, obviously we'd have to uh, use penance of course before coming back as well of course, yes. Um, so once you get that out of the way, then you can talk about it. What would his parents be? I don't know. I don't, know. I don't want to commit anything because I've not thought about it in advance. Oh, it. hold I on a minute. I've not thought about it in advance. <laughs> I can see uh, the cost. No, no I want to be careful because I was uh, gutted when I left. Um, and I you know, don't take these things well, so... I think that would be a fun podcast. That would be a fun podcast. What his penance would be. Uh, i got another question. Um, <laughs> another fun question. <laughs> this question is from... 
uh, Jack <laughs> Finn, who messaged a couple of weeks ago, and <laughs> his his message is, ask Samani if he's ready to discuss the Starfield UK hypothetical after two games. Now, you prick. Um, and then cheers. <laughs> so he called you a prick, and he wants you to discuss the, the UK slash Starfield discussion. Two words, my man. Sample size. <laughs> Not happening yet. There you go. So we'll wait on that. We'll have a, maybe a, a game, sort of game by game basis where we'll come back to you and ask you if it's going to be a fun podcast. <laughs> Is that beef in the making though? <laughs> um, great stuff. Uh, Celtics. I think the news of the week is the signing of South Korean striker Oh from uh, Suwon Samsung Blue, Blue Wings. What is your thoughts, Alan? Delighted. Really, really pleased. Um, obviously, there's, it's been a couple of weeks. We've had the, uh, you know, linked heavily with two players. Um, and, you know, I think I'd have been happy with either of them signing. Probably Cho would have been the one if you could have picked at the start. But, um, hearing Ange's comments on him, I think really sold me that actually it wasn't a case of one preferred over the other in terms of the club size. Um, so it's not like we've moved down that list and we've you know decided well we can't get him, so we'll go somewhere else, which is fine in itself. But we're really, really excited. Sorry, to jump in, but does that tell you that maybe there might be another and there might still be interest in Cho if this because um. O said today in his press conference essentially that Celtic, he first said the Celtic's interest in last September. So this is clearly, and I'll get some quotes from Ange, but this is clearly a deal they've been working on for a long time. Do you think there still might be interest in Cho? Yeah, I keep coming back to the same thing that I think it's always worth bringing up when we have recruited from you know the Japanese and now the South Korean market that the finances on it are far less than it would be if you're buying an equivalent player from a European league. And I think that then means that you probably can push the boat out a little bit further. Um, I do think having three players who are all potentially at the level these guys are at, chasing one position, would be a little bit much, um, providing obviously Gigi was to go. So it would make me think long term what they can... Shuffling around would be, but I don't. I wouldn't see any financial impediment to it because the fees that are being banded around for Cho and the the fee that we paid for Owan, what we'd normally be looking to spend for a, a starting striker. So I wouldn't rule out entirely. Um, it's just if it did happen, you know, if we're sitting here in a couple of weeks and we've got all three, A will be delighted, but B will then immediately go to how will that work because it's hard enough having game time for Gigi and Kyogo at the moment. If you then add three into it, granted one of them is a lot more inexperienced than the other, but I think he wants to play football. Um, he's kind of cleared the decks almost, if you like, in order to be able to make the move to Europe at a young age. So I don't imagine he would be coming here, you know, quite happy to sit for a year and a half, two years and wait his time. So um, no financial impediment to it. I just, I don't know how it would work in practice, but you know, if Ange wants to take that problem on and deal with it, then I'm quite happy there. As fans, it's just always more the merrier. Give us three strikers and we'll be, we'll be filling our tummies. Is that, that's not a great nah, expression, is it nah. so weird? You're making an arse of yourself on Just, this just give it another striker as well, thank you. Aye. Thank you very much. Uh, Chris, what's your thoughts on the signing? Um, yeah, I don't think it's out with the realms of possibility that we'll, we'll sign, sign like a third striker, if you will, but it is that whole thing that they're both, well, both um, Cho and O would be central strikers, much like Kyogo, so it's not like you've got that versatility across the front three, which would maybe make it a more viable option going forward. But 
you know, there's enough games that they'll get game time. It's whether or not it's enough game time because Jack Macus has said, you know, plenty of game time. See, you know, the, the rumours that he's leaving because he's not getting as much as he wants. That came as a slight surprise to me because I thought, well, you, you do seem to be on the pitch fairly regularly for us, but, you know, professional footballers are obviously going to have a different mindset. And I'd imagine, as Alan says, a young guy like that, 21, paving the way to come to Europe, don't think he was going to come here just to kind of be a bit part or unless that's been explained to him by the manager, I don't know, but it would be, I'd be a bit doubtful of it happening, but, you know, at the, at the same time, you know, we are fans, we would just like to see us sign players, but for me it would probably be, it would probably be one too many to give them all what they want. Um, just on, when Celtic announced it, uh, they released a sort of wee article on the website, Celtic Football Club is delighted to announce the signing of South Korean internationalist O, who has joined the club in a five-year deal. Um, 21 years old, um, and he was he was playing in the K League One. Andrew's uh, quoted as saying, "I'm really pleased. He's someone that Mark Lowell and myself identified really early on. It's really credit to the player himself and to Michael Nicholson for the perseverance. Because there were times when I thought it wasn't going to happen, but they've persevered and they've got it done. So it's great to have him here. I'm sure lad to our football club. I'm really excited by the potential he has, but uh, but also the impact he can make straight away. Mm-hmm. And I really like that he said that." I just think he's a really good fit for us. He's mm. all action, he gets uh, his hands dirty, he works hard and he loves a goal. I had a fair uh, bit of experience of national team uh, and club level playing against Korean club size and there are some similarities with Scotland. But more importantly, they're in another country where their top players end up playing in the best leagues in mm. the world. The other challenging bit when signing Korean players is that they have to do national service and one of the advantages of O is that he's already done it. Mm. So that was a, that's a big positive as well. Mm. Um, with that line of the potential he has, but also the impact he can make straight away. Isn't it so refreshing, Sermani, to have a signing and just know that they literally could play in the next game? Yeah, it makes a difference, especially when the manager's very candid and upfront about it because you, previous managers and you know previous signings that we've made, you know, even a guy like Turnbull, if you remember when Turnbull came in, he didn't play for a long time. A same, guy who'd, same with Sorrow and Klamala and all well, those guys. Probably a reason for Klamala <laughs> and, and Sorrow. But Turnbull, for, as a perfect example, a guy who'd already cut his teeth domestically yeah. in Scotland and yet wasn't afforded much in the way of game time until, well, we all know what happened that season. So if you've got, we've now got a manager who's signing players with the intent to play them. You know, you can count on one hand signings that have came in and not really made an impact. Um, you know, even like, I mean, Kobayashi's already played Iwata, you know. I thought it might have been a wee bit longer before we we, we seen him, but he's already had minutes on the pitch, which says to me that, you know, there's an expectation of what players are going to do when they come in and the manager's not afraid to play them. So when you're signing O and, you know, whoever else you're fairly confident you're going to see them and you're fairly confident that the manager thinks they're going to make an impact. And that's much better than taking a punt on somebody. And, you know, you're waiting in games like Morton where you were thinking, oh, I might get to see them in this game. Well, you know, um, they don't come. Uh, those games don't come around too often during yeah. the season. So if you've got Angie's prepared to stick them on, you know, in, in any circumstance, then that's great because you're, you're obviously going to get to see them. Yeah, and I mean, is he ultimately... Just want to see these players play as an Alan. Yeah, I think especially over the last two or three years, there's been a big turnover, both good and bad. And I think we've now started to realise, particularly with Ange, that if a player's good, 
he uses them and he uses them quickly. Mm. And if a player's not, then <laughs> we keep kind of going, well, you know, he didn't play that game, but, you know, he's, he's not played in a while, maybe a wee bit unfit. Then you don't see him again the next week. Then you don't see him the next month. And then he's gone. Um, so that's kind of... I think that's sometimes it's reassuring if you know the squad comes out. Obviously, we'll talk about the game on Sunday. But if that squad comes out on Sunday and was on the bench, that's like the first. Okay, he's not shite. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if he's not on the bench on Sunday, we'll be thinking, "Oh, he's another one." Uh oh, yeah. You know, um, because obviously we've seen that with players before Ange and you know during Ange's time that you know if they don't get game time quickly. Whereas the good ones they're always in quickly, and that's what's positive. I think already about uh, Kobayashi, positive about Iwata. You know our hit rate's really good, and you know if they're good, then he uses them early days, and that's what we're starting to see. So very positive. Um, we've got a podcast on a Tuesday called uh, The Review, and in this week's uh, episode of The Review, uh, Christian did a scouting report on uh, O. Um, here's a little clip of that. <laughs> I think the thing with his shots, like any you say, can he play across the front tree? He is right-footed, you know, Insta has him as right-footed, but 50% of his shots have been with his right foot. 27% has been with his left foot. He scored four goals with his right, scored two goals with his left. 23% of his shots has been uh, headers. He scored six goals, six of his goals. And you can kind of see that from his shot map as well. He's got a lot of his shots from kind of Nine yards out, Graham. Right in front, there's a lot of header there where he gets to a lot of his goals come from there. Seems like quite a high percentage of goals, headed goals. Yeah, he is a bit over six foot, and you can kind of see in terms of some of his other stats that he's is involved in a lot of aerial duels. Right, he's in the top sixteen percent of all these strikers in terms of how many he's involved in, and you can see he's you know from his interception map, he he helps out his team defensively because he's got a lot of kind of interceptions in his own penalty box that'll be going back to, to win headers and so on so yeah no he's a total lad like is in terms of kind of that just a physical build we, we talked about kind of something's having all these links to strikers who at least have a physical build similar to to Gigi but I don't think he's as big I guess as you know physical presence as maybe some of Gigi but he definitely has got a stature but I mean he's stolen in Chiyogo he's you know he seems pretty strong as well he is involved a lot in terms of aerial duels so obviously he's a quarter of all his shots are are headed so so he's clearly comfortable with that So you can listen to that podcast and thousands, literally thousands of other podcasts um, when you sign up to the cynic.co features, news, um, re- reactions, previews, everything that you want to uh, really fill uh, the Celtic void in your life. Right. So thousands. No, I mean, I think there's like 2,000. That's quite a lot. It's a lot of catching up to do. Don't feel overwhelmed. If you don't want to listen to two and a half thousand, that's okay. There's no, you don't have to, but you know, they're there. And, and if you do, then... Maybe get another hobby as well, because <laughs> that's a lot. Of, that's quite a lot. It's a lot of podcasts. Um, do you know I thought it was quite funny? Uh, you know the Darvel um, putting out Aberdeen. See, I never heard that. I never knew that. <laughs> Sorry. Just I feel like I've heard a lot about Darvel this week and, you know, it's... Just really snidey. Do you know what I mean? Somebody, team in it. That's you know what I mean? I mean, immediately just, gets my back up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, just don't need to be so snidey about it. Yes, yeah, you know, like, I thought you'd t- taken your shot on Monday. Two shots a week. Keeps me healthy. 
Sorry. Dav will beat Aberdeen, yes. Did they? Aye. Right, okay. So, <laughs> well, what's funny, after the semi-final, uh, Rangers and Aberdeen, there was a lot of Celtic fans who I just... This is just something I saw on Twitter. A lot of Celtic fans tweeting about how Liam Scales should be back. <laughs> should come back to Celtic and be in the Celtic game. <laughs> and then after the Darvel game, the same people going, oh, God, Liam Scales. <laughs> Poor guy, was, but, you know. I, it was the... I watched the first, I think, half hour of the Aberdeen when he went to Ibrox earlier in the year, and he didn't look great he looked a bit all over the place now they're not in great shape but you know we, we are in good shape so that's you crack on up there son aye good for you doing, um, doing the lord's work uh morris james has moved um to uh Schalke. well it, that doesn't really matter the main point is is cancel he's had his loan cancelled with with celtic he's moved on to bundesliga side Schalke. seems like a genuinely good guy i, I thought everything he put out <laughs> no no but you know like he's, he's not like a fucking a, who was the fullback that we had that was German who was terrible? Jeremy Tullian. It's not the Jeremy Tullian. But he seemed like a bad guy. <laughs> oh no, he, he, he did when he played. Aye. <laughs> well, he he made it clear that he didn't want to be here and all that stuff. I didn't want him to be here either. Aye, enough, it, was, it was mutual. Yeah, it started well there, and then you can send off. Bang! Oh, aye, aye. That's right. Um, Two yellow cards as well within a space of like ten minutes, I think. Morris I think. G- Morris Gents is he the kind of perfect example why the sort of. Uh, loan to buy market actually can work both ways it can work both ways because we've got had some success in that with Maida and hopefully with uh, Iwata I think Iwata's a sort of loan to buy as well but this is the kind of other benefit when you bring someone in because I think the asking price for him is like three and a half million quid so that's a big outlay for us mm. so ultimately it's been a fairly successful situation all round because he played when we needed, he covered, he, he wasn't horrendous, but he just didn't fit. I mean, I've seen some, I, I think in general, I don't think much of the support are bothered that he's left. I think there's a bit of debate, if you're looking at social media and talking to people, over his abilities on the pitch, you know, and, and, and his performances. For me, I wasn't a massive fan of Jens, um, and I wasn't particularly bothered he moved on I mean I think you summed it up there he wasn't terrible but early in the season when we were conceding very few very few goals I think you could see you know there was at least two or three that I can think of off the top of my head that I would pinpoint him as being I mean the Ross County game he scores an overhead kick but he's also at fault for yeah <laughs> positionally I don't think he was um, he was very good there so he was never a guy who you know, when he was in the team, you went, oh, shit, or anything like that. But he was never a guy who I thought, snap him up now, because, you know, yeah. with, the, with, with the fee that we've got. So, yeah, going back to your point about can that work both, both ways, of course it can. I think it's it's uh, it's a model that, um, you know, it's not always available there, but as long as it's all set up, that if it does work, it means that, you know, you're not messing about at the end of the season. Um but in a circumstance like this, it just means that you can kind of cut your losses. He can move on. No hard feelings. See you later, Morris. He says, uh, I'd like to come back to paradise one day. I would have no problem with that. As a, Doing as a half-time draw. <laughs> yeah, as a fan. Yeah. Um, Alan, do you think there might be, with, with as we've mentioned, the, the successes of it, do you think that kind of is the way forward? The sort of loan-to-buy idea? Obviously, there are certain you know situations where we can go in and, like, the the, the, the cream boy we've just bought, oh... And some of the Japanese players, you just go in and you buy them because the fees maybe not as as high. Mm. But with other ones, you kind of you can wither around it and just. Do you think we'll Celtic will do it more in the future? Do you think? Yeah, I think there is a, a tendency to 
to do that. Although in saying that, a couple of the loan to buys uh, as a mandatory clause, and I think it's some creative accounting, so that you know you maybe overspent one window, you want to kick yeah. the can down the road. So it's maybe just worth flagging that up. Obviously, this one though. I think everyone's in the same boat that like, he did a good job when he was here. His form is a little bit spotty. And I think in the end, there was probably just too many rough edges with him. Yeah. Um, and he's not, you know, he's not 19, 20 years old. Um, so I think the time it would take to potentially smooth those out, I, I, I just, I don't think it was there. And I think we mentioned the same thing last week. We've probably talked about it any time with Jens. It's, and it wasn't necessarily just, in, it wasn't like Champions League level. It wasn't, you know, he struggled at that level, but he was fine domestically. You didn't really know when he was going to, you know, have a really yeah. good game because against Real Madrid, as we always point out, very, very good, largely. Um, in fact, exceptional, to be fair, um, to that first 60, 70 minutes. But then in other league games, it just it wasn't there. And that would be the concern um, because then if you've got a defender that's good enough domestically, you then know, right, we need to improve for Europe. Whereas you get a player like that, sometimes just maybe concentration isn't quite there, then... I don't think the upside was there. And, you know, if that three and a half million fee is, is reported, then I don't think at any point in this season, really anyone would have stuck their neck out and said that would have been good business. You know, I, as I say, the age thing is, I think he's got a good few years to learn his craft. Um, and I think he said when he came in as well, to be fair, um, that he wanted to play football and that the reason he, he had moved on was because he needed to play football and he kept talking about that and that's important to him. So I think it was kind of on the cards, to be honest, pre-World Cup, I think we talked about it and I, I thought yeah. it was highly likely that if we did bring another centre-half in, then he would go mm. um, because obviously there will be suitors after him. People will have seen what, he, what he's capable of. Um, so, yeah, there, there's, there's a better fit out there for him than us, to be honest, I think. Um, who thinks, uh, like, with the fact that Jens, has, has, the, contracts, the loan contract's gone and he's now not with us, do you think that gives a little bit of hope for Stephen Welsh? That he, you know, because I, I, ju I just think obviously when, when you know, Starfit was out, <clears throat> Jens was, you know, he usurped. Because mm -hmm. Welsh certainly yeah. started the, the season as, mm -hmm. as third choice. And then Jens kind of overtook him. And then obviously the last couple of weeks it was clear that Jens was going. So I just, I wonder what, essentially the question I'm asking Samani is, what do you think this kind of does for Stephen Welsh? Does it do anything or has his situation changed in any way? Not generally speaking, because it's not like Jens is gone and anybody thinks that there's a shootout between Kobayashi and Welsh. I think it's pretty clear, well, making assumptions, but on the basis that Kobayashi played and Postacoglu brought him in and, and, and Jens is gone, it's going to be Kobayashi is to try and usurp Starfelt or... Um, Vickers from the team I think I would guess that the manager sees him at that level certainly in the mix for the one those one of those two starting positions Welsh I don't think so I mean does it improve his chances not well it improves his chances from yesterday because there was an extra centre half who was ahead of him but now there's there's one of them's gone so he's that's slightly improved but you know fitness pending you know I don't think he's really going to get a look in but I do also think that Ange doesn't would probably trust him in most domestic games if he had to, but he's not somebody who he sees in his long term plans. Maybe or you know he might come out and say that you know he he, he might develop into that, but at this point just now, no. For me, it's just one in, one out, and he's still where he was in the pecking order. Uh, we'll talk about Morton briefly because obviously time has passed since then. But um, Boston Lowell 
came on against Morton and Stephen Welsh didn't. Now yeah. Stephen Welsh is just back from injury as well, so there's there's lots of considerations. But Ange tends to, if he puts someone on the bench, he, bench, he tends to say, well, they're available to pick. Um, that fourth centre-back position, if you want four... Alan, do you want four in your squad? You want four centre-halves, that fourth one or the fourth choice? You're not going to have four vying for two positions. You usually have two favourites, right? Uh, yeah. The third one will be in and amongst it. The fourth one... Probably a youngster. <laughs> like, uh, this, we're just saying that the fourth. It, it, we can just have a dead as a fourth because we're not going to need him. No, no, no. Just, just because what I mean is Stephen Welsh is a guy who uh, can go and play at a high level and mm. there will be interest in him. You know, Udinese were very interested in him, mm. offering a lot of money for him. For him. What I'm saying is that, that fourth position, you either, you either sell him on and bring in a youngster behind him. My point is you don't sell him for three and a half million and buy another centre yeah. half. No, I agree, and I do like that. I think everybody quite likes that principle that, to be honest, in most positions, that you have someone from the development team, youth team, B team, whatever you want to call it, that could potentially make that step up, you know, and provide, you know, some sort of backup to the first team. We, to be honest, maybe it was a case for a period where you had that, a number of players vying for that. At the moment, it's not quite the same. Um, but I think you always want that, especially centre halves. I think three really competitive, really strong players, and one that maybe needs you know a bit of work. Um, and I think I did think it was interesting that that obviously Boston Lowell is in a kind of similar position to what Welsh was probably also quite a bit younger, but he's in a similar position to what Welsh was maybe two years ago, and that he's on the fringes. He's probably at that point now where he's wondering, you know, am I going to start making squads? And he'll be very interested in how this is shape, shaping up now in terms of this kind of pecking order because is he going to be fifth choice again or is there the potential that if Stephen Welsh moves on, he could be fourth choice? And I think he would be very happy with that. Um, so I think that is quite interesting. I, I'm probably similar. I think Stephen Welsh is, he's tasted what it's like to play first team football, play European football. Um, at Celtic, he's won the league here, he's won the cup here, and now he's finding himself, you know, kind of usurped by a player who's, you know, just come in the door. But obviously, the manager likes likes a lot, left footed as well. I, I just think, unless he does love Celtic as much as probably we do, um, and I don't mean that as in the way I kind of said that there, maybe came across negative, but he would be putting his love for the club before his career. And I think if he wants to play football, because he can play European standard football, yeah, I think he will be thinking about moving and moving on. And you know, for us, if, if Lawal is, you know, someone who the manager believes in, thinks can progress, then we are quite fortunate because that slot then could be taken by him. Mm. Um, and I would probably, and from one point of view, I would like Welsh to make him an ambitious move and go elsewhere. Me too, because I think he's too good. And I think we said this before; he's too good to be a fourth choice centre half here. Um, as in, he probably is a player that has got a good future ahead of him. You know, I don't think he's going to be a, a Champions League star, but I think he is a good player and I think he's got a good future ahead of him. And selfishly, I think he's got a value as well. And it would be another big success for the, the, academy. the academy that you've moved a player on who will go and play a good standard of football and will make a significant profit on. So, you know, I'd quite like to, to see that happen. Um, and he's done great for us. He's done a lot better than certainly most people would expected. And I think that's, that's a real credit to him. So... Yeah, that would be my kind of my thoughts on that that situation. Welsh, I mean, you've, I think it was on the agenda um, when you were getting torn right into Gal. Um, the point was made 
regarding like players like Doig going to Italy and Hickey and maybe they were at a level where you wouldn't have pointed the finger at those players and says, no, we really need to get them at Celtic. There's a part of me that thinks Welsh is that sort of level of player, but we've got him at the club. You know, he's yeah, not standing yeah. out here. And if he took that ambitious move, as you say, see, if he, if he went to Indonesia, I wouldn't be surprised if you started to hear about some of the, you know, the, the, the stats and yeah, the numbers yeah. and all that that we're hearing for, for certain other players, just because it's a different environment, different coaching style and things like that. Different pressure. Well, there is a different pressure there as well. But I think it's fair to say that guys like Hickey and Doig wouldn't have progressed the way they would have if they had stayed in Scotland. Even if they came to us, I don't think that's too much of a step to say. That's maybe the same for Welsh. If he takes like you know the plunge and makes a move to Italy or, or, or a league like that, that could make him a more well-rounded player when the opportunity for that to happen here doesn't really exist. And that's I think that's just a circumstance of you've talked about the pressure. You have to win here. You know you don't have that room to breathe. Whereas a club like Udinese or or some of the the other Italian lower half um, clubs, he would have that, and he would also benefit from you know a different style of coaching. You know. I agree with that entirely, and I think particularly to Welsh, I think when we talk about his value, you then talk about his value down the line, because you think of that progress he's made in 18 months here, if he was to go and play first-team football week in, week out, over two years, he would be a far better player in two years than he is now. Absolutely. Um, I don't know why it came into my head, but we were talking about Jens as well. Do you know who played it really reminds me of? Celtic centre-half from years gone by. Glenn Lewins. Who Jens does? Jens. I... As in, see when he's good, you look at him and think, you know, there's, oh. a, there's a really good player in there. And then he does something, you're like, ah, you shouldn't have done that. Ah, you shouldn't and, and it's that, I think he would probably have that same, I think if we were to stick with him, he would have that same kind of three, four year career where some really, really good games, some big games, and then some really low points. And he would just continually be quite a spotty player. Glenn, Glenn Lewins was one of those guys, and I, I, I can throw Jens in there now as well, because he's left, so it doesn't really matter. That, And I don't mean that this is going to sound really bad. It's just you didn't really trust him no. to do the right thing. And um, and he would have good, really good games, yeah. and he'd perform well, and then bomb scare. Kenny Miller at Ibrooks. Move on. It was, it was like a big dog, Glenn Lewins, wasn't he? <laughs> you know, he's lovable, but ultimately, you know, you've, you've got to keep a tight rein on him. No, I mean, that was it. That, 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 you know, that's, a, that's actually a bit harsh in Jens. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Moritz, because he is obviously a massive Celtic fan. I believe he takes in all the Celtic podcasts, all 10,000 of them. Yeah. I haven't seen Glenn back at Parkhead recently, anyway. Uh, Cameron Carl Vickers, Greg Taylor, been spotted training. Uh, that's just a boost. Um, for us, are those two players... Chris, would you put them? I know we're only in January, but would they to be nominations for Player of the Year for you from from Celtic perspective? Yeah, they're in there. I mean, I think they are. I mean, out of that back four, they're probably the two most important players. Um, yeah, I think we've covered how good they both are. We've covered how good Greg Taylor's become. Um, and I think that's also magnified by who his backup is as well. Um, so, yeah, they're definitely up there consistency-wise, top-level performances for both of them. So having them both back in training is is massive for us. Um, but aye, it's a bit early to be picking your player of the year, but, you know, up to the, this point in terms of the levels they've been at and their consistency, you wouldn't have any problem with them being in their running. Yeah, I mean, Alan, it just shows you how important they, they've both been. They've 
been fantastic at the back. And obviously, I know people aren't the biggest Starfelt fans. There's a lot of kind of debate and stuff, but he's missed a lot of the season. And having them two consistently there has proved very, very important. Yeah, they've both been they've both been excellent this season. Um, really, really consistent, really reliable, and that that's what you need. Um, and they're kind of, it sounds very much you know that they are quite important as well. I think Greg Taylor. I mean, you see it from Celtic's media output. I think he's very well liked in the squad. Um, and Cameron Carter Vickers, just that consistency. I, I think he would be the player people would pick out and say, you know, what you're getting from him every week, and that's so important for players. I will say I don't think either of them will get player of the year though. I think it's quite an open field this year so far. I know it's it's only January. I think it will go to a midfielder and attacker. I don't, I don't I just, think it's a year yeah. for it. Yeah, but um, what I mean is, they, they would just be in the conversation. Honorable mentions. <laughs> Jesus, good follow it boy song, of course. Um, I just wanted to mention uh, the Paradise Pit Stop. Uh, it's something that the Celtic Foundation are putting on. I, I saw this today, and you know we are very critical of the club uh, in a lot of ways for a lot of different things. But um, I just wanted to read this out. Celtic FC Foundation is launching a new project which will kick off next week, Paradise Pit Stop. The project launches on Monday, the January 30th, and we'll see the doors at Celtic Park opened every Monday and Thursday night between 5 and 7pm, providing a free warm meal and a selection of hot and soft drinks to enjoy in the comfort of our lounge. Club and Foundation colleagues are volunteering their time to serve up food and provide a warm welcome to those coming along. To keep children entertained, there will be games available and also a quiet space if they want to do their homework. I just think, as I say, we're very critical, rightly so a lot of the time, but that's the sort of thing Celtic should be doing now, um, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's, I know you've said it a couple of times that we're critical of the club, but one thing we're not critical of is when we ad- in the adhere to the founding principles of, 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 of why Celtic are here. So, no, I, you know, things like that should always be lauded and, um, you know, encouraged because you, you can't lose sight of, of, of what Celtic were and should continue to be on, on some level. Yeah, Alan, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think I've always, I, I think the, the foundation are real credit to the club and the way it's grown um, and, uh, you know, it's a, a big distributor of funds in the local area as well, which is obviously, um, I think, again, part of the, that founding principle of the club. So it's another good initiative and they look like they're kind of moving forward with the kind of the times as well and being kind of, I don't use business speak, but quite agile in terms of where need is and they've been very good at that. So no, it's a, hopefully it's a big success. Yeah, absolutely. We're never going to go... <laughs> That's a lot of shite uh, Nonsense and, uh, Get get. Wait I think we need another left back in Never mind that no. um, But yeah I just thought I'd highlight it Because um, Yeah just I, I thought it was good It was good to see you today um, oh, In regards to Last week Celtic Five more to nil uh, In the Scottish Cup It was uh, Well You tell me Chris What did you think of it? Um, it was It was a cup tie Against a lower league opposition You know They were <laughs> just, just running through the facts <laughs> <laughs> No I, I, It took place at Celtic Park uh, A bog a standard Yeah Well I mean but It was run of the mill You know it was It was What you know, we expected you know, I think we played some pretty good football Like sometimes these matches Can be really dull I thought we played really well I think you're bumming it up a bit You know It's they, yeah. I would focus I mean the, the, the main talking point For it For me Was That we got A ridiculous penalty And the concern that that would then be used as see, you, you get Snyder's as well because 
poor Effie, that was, you know... Shocking. Effie's made enough proper mistakes to not to get punished <laughs> for that one, you know? It's 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 a shame because it was good, you know, the, y- 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 Effie speaking before it and stuff like that, as much as, as Effie's had some real shockers playing for us, most people have real affection for him, you know? Yeah. And see for him to get done by that, aye, aye. it just, it was a bit crap. And up until then, I mean, I don't think there was ever at any point where you were, you were majorly concerned about going through in the tie, but Martin looked okay up until that point, and then that sort of took the wind out of their sails, so it just was a wee bit, that's a bit of a, a crap penalty, but then after that, I think we just kind of asserted ourselves, you know, there was some nice goals, Turnbull's finish was maybe the pick yeah. of the bunch, you know, but generally speaking, as a tie, it was it was fairly run-of-the-mill routine sort of stuff, but uh, disappointed for, for Effie. Uh, Turnbull's um as the ball was being before the ball was even being played, he'd already kind of got himself in a position. And the first time volley was just outrageously good. What did you make of it, Alan? We talked about it a bit in the agenda, mm-hmm. but just your quick thoughts. It's a really, really nice goal to watch. It is. I think it's the fact that he doesn't break stride, and there's not. It's not like there's a big wind up to it. There's no. I think the expression people always use is no back lift. Um, it is just. It's just seamless, just really comfortable. Um, and it's good. Obviously, he scored um, the week before as well. And I think he does need, he maybe does need something, a wee spark, you know, to, to quote a former manager who left him at the team for nine months. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he does need something. And, you know, scoring goals like that make anybody feel good. Um, I, th- I thought it was good. I thought we played well in the day. Could have probably won by a bit more. Um, maybe not as much to get the newspaper headline more ton. If we would have won 100 nothing, But uh, that's maybe being a bit ambitious. Um, <laughs> but no, it was good. They brought a good crowd. I thought it was the FA stuff. I felt a wee bit bad for him because, you know, he made the mistake for the, I think, second or third goal. Uh, really bad mistake. And then after that, every time he went near the ball, the crowd, it was like a bit pantomime. And I felt a bit bad. You know, he's got, you know, he's got feelings. I, I remember I, th- I was talking to me after and... It's just one of my favourite things. I'll bring it up any opportunity that Effie Ambrose was spotted in um, the Morrison's in Partick. I think I've mentioned on here before, and he had his full Nigeria tracksuit on, um, initials on it, and everything. And I just <laughs> something about that just always makes me laugh. Like, listen, I mean, it's just it's straight home for international duty down the local Morrison's. Hey, listen, there's nothing in. Do you know what I mean? He's been away for a while. Maybe it was after the. She's working in a pharmacy, wasn't it? Exactly. Um, do you know, I don't know. I just I, I wish I was there. Um, the uh, the way that. Uh, David Turnbull hits hits the ball and how he kind of lines up. It reminds me of like a golfer, like just stepping into it. It's like he stepped into the shot so well. I remember seeing uh, Phil Mickelson scoring a goal on that <laughs> at Celtic Park. <laughs> He's even picked a good golfer as well. I like big Phil Mickelson. He's <laughs> a good guy, aye. We never talk about golf in this podcast, do we? I forget <laughs> you're not a big golf guy, unless you're replying to you and Murray on Twitter. Yeah. Are you, you both, are you both golf guys? No, nah, <laughs> I've not got a temperament to play it, and I, I will. I watched the last day, but I've only watched the like, full four days. I, I've got a lot of time in my hands. I don't quite have that amount of time in my hands. Sweet. What were you going to say? No. To the question, am I a golf guy? Because it's a lovely ping jacket that Chris has got on the seat as well. <laughs> I've got uh, a visor as well, just, just in case it was bright in here. Or he needs to count large amounts of cash. Um, Get an eye on here. I, a question, <laughs> <that> club, <though? laughs> A question for you. Uh, I was looking at our squad today, and obviously next week when we record the weekly, uh, the window will be slammed shut. <sighs> slammed <sighs> shut. And there will be... No signings to talk about. But we won't have to because we'll have uh, 
decimated Dundee United and we'll have played Livingston, so plenty to talk about from that point of view. Jamming, um, jamming. Uh, but I, I was thinking, I was looking at the squad today and I was thinking about, you know, um, the bench. Mm. Um, so what I did was I I picked, a, I picked the team that kind of, you know, there's a bit of debate about who's the, the, the most uh, impressive front three, but I just went Hart, Taylor, CCV, Starfelt, Johnson back five mm-hmm. um, with McGregor, Hitati, O'Reilly, Jota, Kyogo, and Maeda. Okay, so that's you know uh, you know there could be question marks about who's in the front three in regards to you know rotation and stuff. That leaves one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve players for nine positions. So I want you. I'm going to right. So Segrist is going to be your goalkeeper, right? Yeah, I suppose so. Segrist is going to be your goalkeeper. You're going to have one centre half. As a backup? No, so like on the bench, right? We've got right, eight, okay. Nine, okay. Po- nine positions on the bench. Okay. So the way I had it was a defender, uh, basically a goalkeeper, a defender, and a fullback uh, on the on the bench with uh, three midfielders and three atta- attacking players. Mm-hmm. Um, My bench was Segrist, Kobayashi, Ralston, uh, Aaron Moy, Turnbull, Iwata, Haksabanovic, Abada, and O. And what that does is it leaves... So I'm not... I, I'm assuming McCarthy, Idiguchi, and Abogard are just not going to, going to make benches. Mm-hmm. And that Jackamarcus is... Could still come good. Could still come good. It's still... It's it's not... What's the Simpsons line when the pig's flying through the air? It's a little air bonnet. It's still good. Yeah, it's still good. See if they were all fit. I think... I think... And you would play McCarthy in front of the other two. And I think that's how out of the yeah. picture those two are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jack Marcus, obviously, we don't know if he's away yet, but let's let's just assume he's probably going to go. Likely. What that does is it leaves, uh, you know, the, the players I picked, Sigurdis, Kobayashi, Ralston, uh, Moy, Turnbull, Lawata, Haksabanovic, Abada and O. And that leaves Bernabe, Welsh and Forrest um, and Law, Lual, probably not on, on kind of benches. If everyone's fit, is that how is that kind of who you think would be available? That's the players. That's the players there, really. That um, the, the squad players. Alan, what about yourself? Yeah, I, I, I probably I'm inclined to think that. Uh, I think just the way injuries have went, though, we've not been quite in that situation yet where we have had to make the decision. Squad, yeah. But yeah, who are the guys that will be left out? Because as a you know, it's quite a strong bench. I feel that like we say this every summer or every kind of window, though, and then. Three months later, we're all going. We need this. Ah, we need he that. thought it was really good. Like we brought Abogar in. We all thought, right, that's that position sorted. Here we are, one window down the line. Abogar is hopefully on the way out, and Awata is now that player who we really like and will um, feature. So it is interesting. I, I really, I'd just be guessing. I think obviously one of the fullbacks would be one of the ones I would look at and think, right, do you need two fullbacks on the bench? Um, I think it's interesting because I don't really think there's much. You know, I've got. You know, if you take one of the fullbacks out, I've got Segrist, Kobayashi, or Starfelt. Um, one of the fullbacks, Awata, Haksabanovic, Moy, Abada, O, and Turnbull. And that's, you know, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of guys there that will not be happy with that. There's, I think we've maybe been a wee bit. It's tricky. It's hard trying to think who you would leave out, and mainly because the name that you left out was obviously James Forrest, which was noted. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm very pro Forrest. What's yourself? What's your take on it, Chris? I mean, uh, I wouldn't argue with that. I think there's players there who, 
Like Moy would be the one who you could argue over whether he's even on the bench on current form. Awata, but unknown, but I wouldn't be entirely surprised if he's either in the same position or in the starting lineup. Um Haksabanovich, we're kinda waiting on him doing what we think he can do. I thought he was good against Morton and again opposition aside. Um Yeah. But we're still was... we're still waiting on that and that yeah. might happen. But again, potentially a guy that could be in the starting lineup. Yeah, that'll do. It's that it's with Haksabanovich, it's that position thing. Everybody else has got to defined where they're best. Yeah, and yeah. I don't I haven't really heard anyone that knows that is definitely Haksabanovich's best position. He's done a really great job, but he's done it in different areas and different... You know, it's just trying to find where is his... If you're picking your best team for that Rangers game in the 26th like we kind of did last week, that big game, do you pick him and where do you put him, I think? What's your what's your gut feeling? We've, we've seen him in the eight, we've seen him in both wide positions. I liked him in the eight, but it's probably too much of a luxury, to be honest. Um, so it would have to be in one of the wide areas. And I, I think he does have a tendency to want to cut in from the left. But look... Maeda's made that position his own, and then you would be wanting Jota in there, so he's way down that pecking order. So he's just going to have to really work on that right wing position and make that his own. Do you like Haksabanovich? Do I like him? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you think he's a good player? <laughs> yeah, he looks a good player, but I think that that position point's well made. He's Even now, he's a guy who I don't know what his natural position would be. Perhaps on the, the left, maybe, of the front three. A bit like El Yunusi, although I think El Yunusi was far more, you know, he made he made more of an impact when he was there with Celtic. But and I think if you played him in the left, you know, hand side of the front, um, well, it wasn't a front three at that point, but you know what I mean. Yeah, he was more effective there, but you never quite went. That's exactly where El Yunusi yeah. plays. Haxabanovich has got a bit of that about him, but what he needs to do is then be in a, be effective in a number of those positions because quite frankly if he's not and he's not shining you know he's it, he will stay on the bench because there's guys that are performing ahead of him but he's one of those guys who you immediately look at and think you could be a big player for us but if I'm being honest see at the end of the season if he's not been I wouldn't be surprised either and I think there's a few factors in that and one of them is where does he play yeah, yeah, I, I can see that as well. See, so in regards to where Ange is obviously kind of up, upgrading, you know, uh, as much as he can. What? Let's see. This is obviously the players he's brought in. Like, what? Where do you think he'll upgrade next? Let's say next season, Alan. Is there a position that you look at and everyone's playing well? But where do you think he'll be looking at, thinking mm, I could maybe upgrade there? Goalie, I think. And I know that sounds harsh to barely even think about it, but I think it. The average quality throughout the team has generally strengthened both starting eleven and backups. I think goalkeeper we're at that stage again where it might be somewhere where you either need to identify someone really young and you know bring them in, or you're going to have to spend significant money. It's the hardest position to recruit for. Clearly, we've we've done well in recent years, last decade. We've had a maybe even longer to be fair, maybe 15, 16 years. We've been very, very fortunate prior to that. And, you know, you maybe have to be a wee bit older, but we had a long, long barren run um, <laughs> of... And a, Consistently bad goalkeeper. cast of characters that would make you wince. Um, I was talking about Gordon Marshall with my brother in the pub the other week, and the sigh that he gave as soon as the name came up right away, it's as if I had given him horrible medical news. Um, L- L- Lil, Z on, Lil Z on Twitter, who po- at midnight posts uh, of this day kind of goals and all that... Every single time there's a goal that Celtic conceded between like 1992 and like 1997 or 96, 97, 
It's always God Marshall's yeah. fault. Like he's always he's hands down one of the worst goalkeepers yeah. I've ever seen at Celtic. And see, see, even going back a bit further, I mean, Pat Bonner. You know, Pat Bonner. Had he's got a lot of affection with the support, but the, the support have an affection for him. But a lot of the support who have got an affection for him will still turn around and go. <laughs> what you need to remember about Pat Bonner is Ian Andrews and Gordon Marshall and a number of other goalkeepers took him out of that Celtic team. So even a guy like Bonner who played for us for a long time, he just wasn't very good, you know. And um, it's, I mean, Bonner was a good shot stopper collecting the ball and things like that. And there were things that went against him. Here's me making excuses for him. Now. <laughs> Didn't have a dominant centre half. I think when you had somebody like Paul Elliott playing for in front of him for a season, that made a difference, you know. But fundamentally, Craig Gordon is probably the third or fourth best goalkeeper I've seen at Celtic. And there's a guy with a lot of flaws. And I think it says a lot about the keepers that we've had in our lifetime, certainly. Who would be ahead of him? Um, Boric and Forster Yeah of course But you said third or fourth well, It's between him and Hart Interesting um, Jack and Marcus, Yankee Yankees are dead start We've got a couple of days left of the window uh, r- Rumours flying around About various kind of things happening Love it. N- Nothing's confirmed But Love yeah it. it's great isn't it um, uh, Chris is he's He's going to go in the next couple of days. Atalanta, Atalanta, sorry, Atlanta uh, in the MLS. Um, I've been linked with them, and there's a lot of kind of uh, there's still interest from the Japanese club as well. Um, what's your what's your gut tell you? Well, my gut tells me he's going, and I'm already over it. It <laughs> really is keen to get out here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would have went on, but he's uh, he's yeah. cutting me your sniggering and laughing, you know. Um, for me, he's... Are you two alright? <laughs> Are you two okay? Has... I think we would get sacked. <laughs> Chris, uh, go on. I, I mean, uh, Jack and Max is a guy who I like. I think he's got good, um, what do you call it? He's got good attributes to his game. Um, but I've never ever looked at him and thought, you're going to be that difficult to replace. Now, some people might disagree with me. You know, all being well, you know, he hadn't, perhaps kind of made overtures to leave the club because he wanted to play more first-team football. I wouldn't have been looking to move him out the door. I wouldn't have been, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even have crossed my mind. Um, but when he decided that he was going to go, I didn't go, oh no, that's a real problem. I just assumed the club would identify somebody that they would bring in who they thought they could replace him. Okay, we've not seen Owen, we've not seen him on the pitch, but I'm assuming that's exactly what they've done. And if he disappears... He goes with decent enough wishes, much like Jens, although yeah. he contributed more. No hard feelings to him, you know. I get it. He's 28. He's played um, as a journeyman for most of his career. Put a couple of quid in his pocket. Absolutely no problem. Yeah, I think largely the same. I think it's a good move for Celtic, to be honest. Um, I think the the only potential is there's maybe a short-term issue and, you know, potentially... You know, how quickly Leo can get up to speed. Obviously, Ange just said that, but, you know, the only way that you know that is when, if he can come in and make an impact, because I think for, and I think I probably was, and I'm quite critical of Giacomacus, just because he's leaving, I'm, I can't roll back on it. I think, sometimes, I think his, his overall game, I found wanting at times, and I think maybe far beyond the standard of what you need. But what he could do was, domestically, he could score goals, and he could score from, starting the game or he could score coming on with 10 minutes to go to prove a point and that is that has been vital for us and it was particularly last year it was crucial 
Um, and obviously a couple of late goals this year as well. But that might be the only thing that getting up to speed. There's always a risk in recruitment that the, the whoever you bring in won't make the grade. But I think we needed an upgrade there, um, and particularly with European football. And I think Gigi struggled in Europe this year, as did Kyogo. Um, so I think it was important that we moved them on. We looked like we're going to get a good fee for him. Um, or we look like we're going to get a fee for him. <laughs> Maybe people aren't quite you know, happy with it, but it's good money in that you're almost doubling what you paid for him. And he was successful for a year and a half. So, But I think anybody, I think most people that have watched him would probably look and say, do you know what? The all-round game suitability at times wasn't there. Um, but anybody that sticks the ball in the back of the net for Celtic will always always be popular but I, I think it's a good deal for us so I'm not going to roll back in it now but you know some really memorable moments but aside from the short term potential issue of getting all up to speed it's I, I'd have been happy with if you told me that before the World Cup so it's another hopefully it's a good move for us I mean another thing for him as well is you know I would tend to agree with Alan's kind of assessment of his overall game and there being some real shortcomings there especially for a guy his size because we automatically assumed that he would be able to hold the ball up yeah. and link players in better than than he he really wasn't very good at that actually, um, you know. But for him, he'll say, yeah, well, he scored in the Champions League. It's easy to forget that that he scored against um, um, Shakhtar at home. So that's a feather in his cap. I mean, his agents kind of punting him around Europe, Champions League goal scoring striker, top season top scorer in the Eredivisie. Show me the money, but. That kind of belies some of the underlying issues. I, issues. I reckon if he go, if he does go to the MLS, I know we're not particularly interested, but I reckon if he goes to the MLS, I, will, I could see him score an absolute barrel load there. Aye. Um, I guess it depends on the team and the service, but Atlanta are a very um, a team with a lot of potential. Who I think they won the MLS Cup last year, and it's probably a really good fit for them. <laughs> Did you Google that? <laughs> it's called research, brother. I, but the way you did it, I think, from my recollection, we heard the time. <laughs> uh, no, but they're owned by there's a connection with Aberdeen and all that, and they're a, they're a club who kind of want to kind of go up. So I think it'd be great for them as well. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there's still, as we say, there's another couple of days left in the window. I so. think again as well, we say that maybe a couple of weeks ago, if we can improve the average of players that we sign in that bracket of whatever it is 1.5 to 3 million and they can do your turnover a year and a half and then you can maybe move them on it's good for them it's good for us if that would have happened with every striker we'd bought over the last 15 years we would be a far richer and we'd have a lot more probably trophies in our cabinet especially in that kind of 2010 to 2015 era where some of the strikers that we spent money on is just grim um Before we, uh, Dundee United, obviously we're going to kind of look ahead to that game on Sunday, but uh, I was looking back at some of the Dundee United games this afternoon and um, I remember we played Dundee United last season, uh, let's get the exact date for you, it was the um, 14th of March and we played them in the Scottish Cup and um, Gigi was appalling. Every single one of his touches, it was absolutely dreadful and he scored a (laughs) hat-trick. And it was just one of those where, like, I remember watching it thinking, this guy, literally, he can't he can't hold the ball up. He kept slipping. He was like Bambi on ice. Um, his positional play was terrible. He scored a hat-trick. And it's kind of like, how, it's kind it's, of hard to, it's like <laughs> to if, argue. At fives, if somebody tries, like, a really hard pass, and you shout at them as they make the pass, 
and then it turns into something really good, you've either got two options. You can say, I was wrong, or you can go, you get fucking lucky there. <laughs> and always choose option B. Um, I remember that game. The, 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 the late one, I think, was kind of bundled in. Oh, I, I, remember I right. bundled it over the line. I, I like a bundled in goal. Before we look at Dundee United, can you see Celtic doing any more business in between now and the window closing? Potentially. Um, I think the ethos the manager has is if you something comes up that improves the squad, you know, in certain you know areas or whatever, then he'll take that deal. You know, I think if the window's shut just now, I'd be comfortable. And I think he would. And I think the majority of the Celtic yeah. support would. You just like that wee buzz going into the last day that you're going to, you're going to sign someone. And I wouldn't rule it out. See, until... You know, he says, like, see if he says something on the 28th or something, he goes, we're no signing anybody. It's definitely not happening. You know, that ruins it for you a wee bit. But right, just don't say it, man. Just, d- even just, if, you, if we're not going to sign anyone, just let us think. I but, think it's possible, you know. I, I'm not sure there's a, a specific target that he definitely, definitely wants to bring in. But, you know, at this time, when the window's closing, stuff flies around and if something falls in our lap, I mean, I think stuff like that Haksabanovic deal, that sounded like something that we maybe didn't seek out, but when we looked at the profile, how much it would cost, um, we thought, no, that's something that we probably need to just take. Um, And we'll we'll deal with how we fit them in later. Yeah, and we've still got that problem (laughs) now, but um, something similar, something along those lines wouldn't be out of the the ordinary. um, Matt O'Reilly as well was sort of kind of left field, kind of was done very, very quickly over a couple of days. yeah. That that was something I was going to maybe uh, just firstly I I think I get the impression we're done but I think a few go out the door but I still want all the WhatsApps oh, I want aye. everyone forward everything to me um, but the one thing I, I feel and it's maybe just over the last or since Anne just came in really we seem to have kind of stopped the recruitment from you know down south the kind of younger profile a player you know with the exception of Matt O'Reilly but that was that was a first team signing and yeah. that was a player that we pitched to as you're going to come in and make an impact in the first team but you know the the era of Leo Connor and you know going down such and trying, likes, yeah. find guys from the academy like sifting goals yeah, yeah it's obviously maybe as based on as the talent there but and you only need one in every 10 to work but we seem to have kind of stepped away from that a little bit now what did we get one in 30 yeah, we get Frimpong Frimpong and that was it aye but still Leo Connor Leo Connell, uh, Luca yeah. Connell, Luca Connell, Afalabi, uh, Afalabi, but one out of five, uh, and you got what eight, seventeen million for him. But yeah, you only need one to work. I think that's, that that's is the thing, a, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, just thinking back to the heady days when we were sat discussing, well, Leo Connor, <laughs> you know, when's he going to kick on? Because See, the, the Man United fans loved him. Remember everybody yeah, at the time saying, that, yeah. oh, they can't believe they've let him go." That, that was you used. To, I love that as well. Somebody would send you like a picture. Somebody taking of a Man United forum. We're going to love to regret this. <laughs> and it's just some Celtic fan that's randomly went on and posted on it. Red Devils 11. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dundee United Celtic on Sunday, 4pm uh, kickoff, which is a bit of an odd time, but what are you going to do? Television, etc. Um, how are you feeling about this game going into it, Alan? What's your thoughts? Well, I'm confident because I think we're playing well and I think the, the players um, look like... A, they look like they're going to go on a run and I get the impression that there could be a, another doing in there somewhere. But also nervous because we beat them 9-0 the last time. Now, I don't understand how that works. There is no logic to it. But I heard that in the radio earlier, someone saying, you know, Celtic it's been, well. It's been mentioned a it's lot. It's been mentioned a lot and it's just got that kind of 
you know. But then I would feel I would find something to feel negative about and, and worry about for the next few days. But look, there, there is only reason to be confidence because our confidence, sorry, because I think we are starting to kick on. Kyogo um, is just full of goals at the moment, and obviously played well there the last time. There's real competition in the middle of the park. It will be interesting to see what happens um, at the back. I think the. The starting pairing of Starfelt and Kobayashi, I think, against Morton was probably with a view to that would likely continue. Um, and I think that's maybe the reason Stephen Welsh found himself, you know, not able to get game time there. So I think it'll be interesting. I, I do hope Taylor is able to make it. That would be a huge boost, I think. And if we do, then Tannadice always a place. You always go and it's always an entertaining game, but it can be a really difficult game if they get going. Yeah. Um, and they are always, I don't think it's one you ever take for granted. It doesn't matter how well you won there the last time. So it'll be interesting. I haven't seen a lot of them under their new manager, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they shape up. But there's no reason for us not to be confident because we're playing some nice stuff. Chris, your thoughts? I always like going to Tannadice. I always like going to the ground when, yeah. you know, um, a good stadium. I always like the atmosphere. Unfortunately, not going this Sunday. But um, it's normally been fairly kind to us as well when we go up there. But you can't take that for granted. They obviously, well, we, obviously we, we beat them 9-0, just in case she's weren't aware <laughs> of that. Um, and they had a bit of a disaster under Ross. But there's been a wee uptick recently, I think. You know, there's a wee bit of daylight now between them and, and the, the bottom clubs. Um, so it's one of those ones where I look forward to it. You know, like, Tanadice is different from, like, going to Tynecastle in my head. Or yeah. even... even Previously going to Livingston or Kilmarnock, you know, sometimes for different reasons. The pitch or whatever or the perceived hoodoo and Tynecastle being Tynecastle. I don't really normally feel that way about Tannadice, but I'm also cautious and wary of, you know, because they're a club who they deserve kind of respect, if you will, but, you know, in fact, I'm just going to roll back in that. It's just some, <laughs> that's somewhere I enjoy going and I think we normally do well. And I'm expecting us to do that on Sunday. Just hoping this doesn't come back and beat oh, me. I, I think it's a place, like, see when you're talking about the difference between that and some other games, I think Tannadice, whether I forget whether I wouldn't draw, I think it's a place where you go and you get a good game there. Uh, hopefully it's a good game for us because that's what we define it as. But I think it's a place where you, even if you're watching it on the TV, they've got the capability because they're a decent footballing team. They have a good fan base. It's it's an appealing game to watch, and I think f- from our point of view at the moment, I think the more we can play against teams who actually quite fancy a game, the better. Because I think when you go to Livingston, you know what you're going to get: Aye. score a goal and just then wait for you know the game to finish. Tynecastle is so competitive that you're happy to get out of there with a win. Whereas Tannadice, I think, is one you can genuinely look forward to. So, no, I think it's. Uh, I'm really excited for it. Um, seeing regards to, uh, there was a, a Sky Sports kind of interview with uh, Chill McGrew and Stephen Fletcher and they did mention the 9-0 and all that. Do you think that'll play in the players' mind? Oh, I think like, it'll they play said, in their mind, they, I'd imagine. They said it, they said it, it, it won't and it, it doesn't, but... As they discussed it on live TV. Exactly. But mm. like, you know, player pride <laughs> and all that, do you think Do you think it works for us or against us a little bit with those players? I, I, I don't know about some money. I don't think he comes into it at all. To be honest, yeah. I think um, it, it, we think about it as fans probably a hell of a lot more. And you know, broadcasters, newspapers will be focused on it because it's yeah. nice airtime. But I think in reality, it doesn't because you know it's a game in its own merits. Um, I'm sure they'll definitely not want to get beaten nine 0 again. <laughs> but if there isn't a game that you can say that before, then you're probably not uh, not cut out to be a professional footballer. 
Um, they've they've done okay recently. You know, you, you mentioned that Chris. Um, their last game was a two each draw at Hibs. They actually conceded late in that game. Um, to Hibs, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they lost two 0 to Rangers at Tannadice, but they played really really well for about fifty minutes. Um, like as in, they had not a number of chances, but they just just didn't convert them. Um, they got a penalty. Rangers, of course. <laughs> Probably, I don't know. I, I just, don't know I just assume they do. Uh, in, in regards to how Celtic will come into this game, what are you thinking from a, a lineup perspective? As we said, you know, CCV and Greg Taylor were pictured, but that's not to say that they're they're match ready. Um, papped, papped, papped. Um, yeah, good papped. So I, yeah, okay. I always go kind of safe in these things, so I won't. He's writing it down. He thinks he's... Well, I've got a tendency to pick 12 players, mate. So <laughs> he's, he's, done done that, he's done that a couple of times. Hart, Burnaby. Taylor's no making it. Um, Vickers is, though. And Starfelt, Johnson. McGregor. Okay. O'Reilly. Iwata. Oh. Oh, so you're dropping Hitati. Resting him. Okay. <laughs> Kyogo. Aida and Jota. He's going to mix it up in the midfield a bit. Uh, well, he's probably not, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to say that, you know. That's funny because, like, you know, he, when he talked about Awata when he first came in, when Awata was kind of Awata's press conference, he was basically saying that Awata is a couple of, um, probably a couple of weeks, he said, away from being involved. And then, well, you know, a week later, he's he's coming on against uh, Morton. What have you got? Two weeks later, I've got him starting at Tannadice, so... Um, I'm going very safe to be honest different but but safe I think it'll be and bear in mind I got 11 out of 11 last week obviously um, wrong so <laughs> <laughs> um, he's the injured Rocco Vata <laughs> Mark Fotheringham start. <laughs> um, Joe Hart I think across the back I think Taylor will make it and I think I don't think they'll be rushing him back but I think having you know, I think Burnaby's form will definitely flag up and you don't have that security blanket of Juranovic now, who, by the way, I thought was excellent last night for Union Berlin, annoyingly. Did you watch it? Aye. I watched that a bit, aye. Um, so Football friend. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, I think it will be Starfield, Kobayashi and Johnston. And I think the midfield, I think it will be McGregor, Hattati and O'Reilly. I think it will go back to that. I don't know why I feel like this will be a big game for O'Reilly. Um Boy, I'm obviously a wee bit disappointed they'd be dropped, but and then <laughs> I don't know why I'm providing running commentary in my team. <laughs> Just waiting for the teammate. I won't be happy with that selection, <laughs> and rightly so. He's been in great form recently, <laughs> but this could be a big game for O'Reilly. <laughs> Live at Sky Sports, four pm. Made a go, Chris, but for who? Made a jot and kill. It's not mine. <laughs> Oh, he's going to upset, look. Ah, well, you made a funny, mate. Aye. Well, you know, right. now, now you know how it feels, No, I do, I, I think, uh, I don't know, I, I think he will go Brig O'Reilly back in. I think the front three, to be honest, picks itself at the moment. Um, I think it'll be very hard for anyone, and especially key away games like this, to break. I, t- I just don't see as... The guys that he rested last weekend, I felt was intentional. Maeda, so he's fresh. Um... Hitati, so he's fresh because they really are key players as well. Even bringing McGregor off at half time, so I, I think it will be strong team, primo team, three points. Beautiful, Up love it. 
Uh, prediction, you don't have to give me a goal or a goal scorer, just something that happens in the match, a player having a good game or something. Alan, start with you. VAR drama of some sort. Uh, not in our favour, because we had it. When we'll ha- that'll be you for the year, boy. Yeah. Um, uh, Chris, yourself, any prediction for the game? Dundee United 2, <laughs> Celtic 5. Oh, Jesus. Okay. I, I genuinely thought he was going to go for a 2 zip there. <laughs> I'm just going to walk it. Jesus. Um, yeah, this has been great. This has been the weekly. Uh, we've got the weekend update coming on Friday. We also have reactions to the games. Uh, we've got a big feature this weekend as well. You can check it all out at thecynic.co. Uh, all the details are there on how to sign up. Um, we'll be back next week. There's a game on the Wednesday. We're playing uh, Dundee United on Sunday, and then we've got Livingston on the Wednesday, so we can look back at that game. Hopefully that'll be six points in the bag as we march towards the title. Alan, Edgar, it's been a pleasure. Oh. I looked at some money there. You did, you confused me a great deal. It has been a pleasure. Um, I think tomorrow might be ballot day as well for cup final tickets. So Fingers crossed. I look forward to being disappointed there. Um, <laughs> so no, uh, thanks very much. I've enjoyed it. I'll speak to you over the weekend. Lovely stuff. Uh, Chris O'Mahony, pleasure, sir. Top notch. Cheers. Great stuff. Um, from Alan Edgar, from Chris O'Mahony, from myself, Chris Gallagher, this has been The Cynic, and we'll speak to you down the road.